0: affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie, and we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. We want to give a shout out to our reviewer of the week, Emily Garrett, who says provides comfort in unknown territory. As a first-time mom-to-be, I can't recommend this podcast enough. I'm so thankful to the friend who recommended it to me when I told her I was pregnant. I'm someone who fears pain, discomfort, and uncertainty. Courtney and Stephanie have a way of easing those fears and giving you the tools you need to get excited about the labor process ahead. I can't believe how calm I feel about the process after listening to each episode. Emily, we want to thank you for leaving such a kind and generous review. You guys, those really help women. Women to find our podcast. We also want to give a big thank you to your friend who shared it with you because sharing this podcast with friends that you know are expecting is another great way to not only help them, but it helps us too. And we appreciate it. So the most obvious reason why a hospital birth is better is because you have access to advanced life-saving measures should you need them. And there's a ton of peace of mind that can come for you and your partner in knowing that should an emergency arise, you are already in the right place. And while out-of-hospital midwives have things necessary to um, help baby breathe if they're struggling to breathe after birth or give medications like Pitocin to stop a hemorrhage, they can not do things like perform emergency cesareans. And so there's an inherent risk in that regard when you're birthing out of hospital like that. And birthing in a hospital can negate some of that risk. So when my husband and I were pregnant with our first baby, we were, um, we took a birth course and it got us all ready. And even though we were sort of committed at that point to a hospital birth, I was actually starting to think a lot more favorably about birthing out of hospital, but I needed to take take into account his wishes and preferences and desires as well. And that's really where he felt we would be safest. And given that it was our first and we weren't quite sure how things would go down and what to expect that ultimately ended up being the best decision for us for that
0: particular birth. Yes. Something else that we see that can be common, but can also possibly cause an issue is like when a baby has meconium. So when a mom's water breaks and we see meconium, or in other words, the baby's first poop in the water, um, it can be green or yellow tinged, or you see some of that kind of like blackish tar. It's like pea soup. Right. Yes, exactly. And when you see that, it's not always, oh, baby's in distress and this is an emergency, but it does give you just another thing that you have to pay attention to. And so if what what they're looking for is if baby is born and they aspirate some of the meconium they need to be able to suck it out right away but then you're also looking for infection afterwards and when baby's in the hospital not only are they able to get to it quickly and a NICU team can be right there and on it um, but then infection and any you know life-saving measures or anything that happens afterward is very well available another thing that may or may not be an issue is when we have a baby that's up high and mom still has her waters intact and um, it ruptures on its own sometimes a cord can pass through first or be in front of the baby's space before baby comes down and so when baby is coming down into the vaginal canal they can be compressing the cord and it takes oxygen away from the baby which you can see with the monitoring so if you're noticing either babies having D cells during contractions or you can actually see a cord or there's any issues like that, that if you're out of hospital, you may have to transfer for, well, you're already there. They can keep an eye on it. And worst case scenario, it turns into something emergent and then they're right there to be able to take care of it.
1: All right. So not to scare the crap out of you guys, we'll give one more like emergency type situation example. And that would be in the case of something called placenta previa. So your placenta attaches to your uterine, the lining of your uterus, your uterine wall. And most of the time it does that in kind of an out of the way place where it's not really an issue at all. But sometimes it can grow um, sort of over the opening of to your uterus. And what can happen is if this goes undiagnosed during pregnancy and you go into labor and you notice a trickle of blood, which is different than bloody show, right? Bloody show is when we've got um, a little bit of light blood tinged with mucus. Um, that's normal. But if we've got a trickle of blood coming, that's not normal. Or certainly if you see something that looks like... Um, organ meat or whatever coming out of you. That's like you rush to the hospital right away. So if you had like an undiagnosed placenta previa or something like that, um, being in a hospital is the safest place for you to be so that you can have that emergency cesarean.
0: Right. And so I guess with all of that, like any emergency situations, and that would include any like pre-existing conditions or whatever that would make you like high risk or where you couldn't birth out of hospital anyway, then obviously we're super happy that we have hospitals and doctors that are very skilled um, to be able to take care of those births. I think the other thing that stands out for a lot of women in which we totally support is that you have pain meds available if you decide that you want them. Uh, it doesn't start just with epidural pain medication, although that's the most common one that women use, but there's also narcotics that can be taken earlier in pregnancy or not in pregnancy, earlier in birth. Don't take it Don't in take pregnancy. narcotics in pregnancy, um, but earlier in, in your birth. And and sometimes women use that to kind of take the edge off to move into the next phase of labor that you have more options in the way of medication that can cannot be given um, through a a midwife in an out-of-hospital birth.
1: Right. Out-of-hospital, really the only
0: pain relief options you have to are, you know,
1: the sort of natural things, getting Mm -hmm. into water, moving into different positions, deep relaxation, meditations. Occasionally, some midwives will have that nitrous oxide, but... At the hospital, you have a lot more options available to you, and they're really a great tool for any mom that's feeling overly tired, like exhausted, oh, yes. I can't go on, and that does happen, yep. or they need help relaxing. They're not able to achieve that on their own or with the tools or resources that they have learned or studied um, I know Stephanie likes to say that she really liked her epidural. I had an her, incredible <laughs> epidural. With her second baby. And, um, you know, part of it, I think, is the skill of the person administering it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's some women who were like, you know, what, it wore off just at the right time. I could feel enough to push. So it can be a really great and useful tool to have, especially if you don't have your heart set on an unmedicated birth.
0: Yeah. And I will share, it was my second birth. So my first birth, I did have an epidural, um, but that was due to some other issues, and the epidural and pitocin actually ended up causing some issues. However, with my second, and this was my very first vaginal birth after a cesarean, I did get an epidural, and what was happening with my body is that I was at about 4 centimeters, and I was having pushing contractions, and this was not, we're going to finish dilation, push with it. These were your body's not ready to be pushing some things off. And it could have been baby's position. Um, It could have been my tired uterus from prodromal labor. Um, There were a lot of things playing into it. And I don't know exactly what it was. But when I did finally break down, which for myself, it was a breakdown because I was like, I'm going to do this unmedicated, um, which I did. I actually did have a narcotic for that to try and take the edge off. And for me, I had my little narcotic and walked back to the room, laid down. My water broke. Everything got more intense. And I was like, okay. Okay, epidural time um, but when i did get that epidural and my baby did not have issues with the pitocin that we added in it was a wonderful relief. It felt great. I I did have a very good epidural where it was light enough that I could still move my legs. I was able to tell I was having contractions, but I could rest through them. They didn't hurt in any way. And when it came pushing time, I could feel everything. I could feel the pressure. I remember feeling what's called the fetal Heimlich maneuver. So when babies being born, they like expel all this liquid and goo and stuff out of their chest uh, through their mouth. And I felt that like hit my leg. I felt really um, lovely I know no I thought really I was very excited because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to feel all these parts of that you missed with your first right of, yeah. of this natural birth or a baby like coming out where they're supposed to and for me it was incredible and then that's the birth that I told you guys in a previous episode like I walked perfectly fine after that birth. I went out to dinner the next night. I felt great. So I I think there's absolutely a time and a place. In fact, as soon as I'd had prodromal labor, I was having pushing contractions. When I had that epidural, I went from a four to a six in 20 minutes. Like I literally could not relax. My body was stressed to a point where it could not do it on its own. And, um, or without it being traumatic, I should say, I probably could have kept going, but it was, it was a well-needed and, um, very happy (laughs) epidural one of the things we really try to hit home is you
1: want to birth in a place where you're going to feel most comfortable. We talked last week about how for many of you, that's probably going to be in your own home. You're most comfortable there, right? But there are people who find comfort in the routine, who find comfort in the protocol. Um, you've likely grown up your whole life believing that when it's time to have a baby, you go to the hospital. And we've been doing that now for, you know, a few generations. And you have a decent idea of what to expect there and terms of the environment and the protocols it's it's familiar in that regard and that can totally be reassuring and comforting um i know that when i had my baby at a birth center my baby number three um i don't know how or why i felt this way but i felt kind of trapped in that birth center room i knew that where the location was that if i wanted to go outside and go for a walk it was going to be around a parking lot off of a busy road And that didn't feel very peaceful to me. And I found it interesting how much more easily I was able to relax in my hospital room, knowing that this is where birth happens. This is where it happens for thousands and thousands of babies. I don't know, there was something comforting about knowing I could walk up and down the halls if I needed to and not worry about people or cars driving by and staring at me. So maybe it was just a location for me, but I'm sure I can't have been the only one who actually felt a little bit more comfortable with the routine of going to a labor and delivery room
0: I think there's also comfort in knowing um, how well-educated the people are around you in your birth space. I know that that brings comfort to a lot of people to know that my nurse was trained and and had to do this much schooling and has this degree and works this many hours and had to pass this test, and same with your doctor or your provider. Um, a lot of that's really important to a lot of women, and that's great. This is the place where all of that's gonna come out for you.
1: Right, there's some comfort in those credentials, and that's not to say that midwives don't have their own credentials, but there are such things as direct entry midwives. And one of the best midwives I can think of is actually a direct entry midwife. So, I mean, you can't really let that play in. But there can be comfort in knowing that there's this universal guideline. You know that your nurses and your
0: your obstetricians or whatever have gone through. And along those lines, because of the people that you are using and the locations, it's likely your insurance is going to cover your hospital birth. So when we're talking about out of hospital birth, either a birth center or home birth, a lot of that is completely out of pocket. Sometimes you can get the um, like exams covered or the prenatal appointments or some of the postpartum stuff, but otherwise that's all on you. So insurance covering it I know is a huge one for a lot of families.
1: I remember my birth with my first baby was like $300 total, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was really nice. I know we paid at least a few thousand for our out-of-hospital birth, but that was super important to me, and that's why I chose that. I was okay with that expense.
0: Right. Yeah, same. Our second, I don't remember how much we spent with our first because I had lost a job, and we were paying COBRA, so it was somewhat expensive, but I know with our second, we paid nothing out of pocket. Um,
1: Another reason why a hospital birth might be better for you is because COVID hospital policies make it a lot easier to keep unwanted visitors away. Now, I know we (laughs) mentioned this in our out-of-hospital birth being a reason as well, because you can kind of blame it on your midwife, and I'm sure she's happy (laughs) to take the fall for that one, but it really, they are pretty strict, and it's, you know, I think your family would have a harder time understanding why they can't come to your house when they just did that last week. But if a hospital tells them they can't come in,
0: they're going to they're gonna comply. And with that, I think obviously hospitals have things in place as far as sanitation and things being sterile um, that make it, I know for a lot of moms, very comfortable for them to come to that location because they know everybody's going to be so ridiculously careful and well-monitored. So one of the pluses
1: that we talked about with out of hospital birth was that you don't have people coming in every two hours (laughs) to wake you up, you're going to have a more restful experience postpartum at least initially, Um, but that opposite of people coming in every two hours can also be a benefit as to why hospital birth could be better. Um, When you've got people coming in every two hours, if there is a rare complication postpartum for you or for your baby, you would have people watching for that. I remember right after I had my water birth out of hospital, I went off to go shower by myself and um, all of a sudden I was standing there and I felt very dizzy and lightheaded like I was going to pass out. Now, that was probably my mistake and maybe I should have asked for somebody to be with me, you know, even if it was just my husband to make sure I was okay. But I, you can't deny that in every hospital shower, there's that little red um, nurse call light
0: or right. thing that you can
1: pull. And it's it was nice to know that that was right there.
0: You're also going to have somebody constantly there to help you postpartum. Like we talked about in the other episode where if you're at a birth center, you'll be home in a couple hours. And if you're at home, obviously, you'll stay home. Your midwife will leave a couple hours after that. This way, you have a little bit of extra help if you're having breastfeeding issues or you, you need somebody to come in and take care of something. Um, also, being able to send your baby to a nursery might be a really helpful thing if you feel like, I need to get some rest and I need them in a safe place and maybe, You don't have people at home that can take the baby for a while or however that looks for you. Um, But I do think, especially with breastfeeding and and new moms, I kind of love that they have lactation support available, ready um, as many times as you need so that you can make sure that baby's getting what they need and you don't have to stress so much about it.
1: And if you're first-time parents, even if you've taken all the birth classes, all the parenting classes, you're still going to have some questions that come up about, is this poop normal? Am I swaddling them right? (laughs) And when you're in an environment where there's somebody with you for at least the first 24 hours who you can get those questions and get them answered right away, I know that for us within our birth course, we really try to be quick and prompt about answering questions that women post in our group. But to have somebody right there on the spot at the hospital Hospital with you that can answer whatever, whatever question that comes to mind, I'm sure is a comfort, especially if this is your first baby. All right, this next one's kind of, I don't know, weird. No, Um, it's not. It's not weird. Okay. So, I never knew what he was talking about. And I think a part of me too, being a little sensitive, Mm -hmm. was almost offended when he would kind of bring this up casually after each birth. But my husband is convinced that birth has a smell and not a super (laughs) pleasant one. And no, we're not talking about if you poop while you push, like he's like, no, like it has like a, like a meaty smell to it. I realized now (laughs) he's probably referring to, you know, there's the placenta and there's, you know,
0: anyway, all these things. But anyway, well, He's yeah, like the saltwater smell of like water right. breaking, blood, and fluids, and... an organ coming out yes. of your body. A let baby. Us, let us make this just a little prettier for you. Just a moment. <laughs> a
1: baby that's been living inside you coming out. Anyway, he says birth has a smell, and keeping that smell contained to not our house would be his
0: preference. Yeah, I – not just smell though, but mess. That's that's a big thing. No, my home birth was not messy, but it's messier than having it at a hospital where nothing gets in the house. Um, I will say too, like one of the things that was important to me was to wear my own clothes. I didn't want to be in the hospital gown, but – Having the hospital gown makes it so you don't get anything yucky. You like, don't ruin your clothes, right? Yeah. And so I think the cleanup and the fact that you don't have to do any of the cleanup, like they don't leave towels or whatever you're gonna need postpartum that needs to be cleaned and put away, uh, having everything there and and being able to clean everything up and even move you to a completely different room for your postpartum recovery, I I kind of like that. Obviously, midwives are really skilled and adept at making
1: sure that your house, your sheets, your bed, you know, they've got the the little tux pads, right? The pee mm-hmm. pads. And they put those everywhere. They can put them on the floor. They can put them under your sheets, on top of your sheets, whatever. But I mean, the nature of birth is that there are fluids and if you're walking around and you're moving around the house, things can happen. So (laughs) I'm just saying like there is some comfort knowing that I don't have to clean any of this up. And, you know, obviously your midwife also cleans a lot of that stuff up, but if something stains or spills or splatters... Right? Who's going
0: to be left to clean that up? Um, Another thing I thought of was circumcision, which isn't that big of a deal. But should you have a little baby boy and you do decide that you want to circumcise, Earlier is better. And if you're having your baby at home, that means you're going to have to lo- like relocate yourself to a different place, bring your baby to a pediatrician so they can have that done versus what they typically have is either your pediatrician or the on-call pediatrician at the hospital will be able to take your baby and circumcise within 24, or 48 hours, um, which is obviously, in my opinion, the better preference for that because as we have talked about which you are welcome to reference our circumcision podcast but as time goes on there's little receptors pain receptors that start connecting and stuff in that area and so the earlier you get it done the less pain baby is supposed to feel and one more thing is about transferring so obviously if you're in a hospital setting it's unlikely you're going to have to transfer anywhere else unless for some reason your hospital is like a community hospital and doesn't have a NICU and baby ends up at NICU and you have to transfer that way but at least for the actual birth part of it, you're already in your space. You know where you're going to end up. Whereas if you're at an out-of-hospital birth and for whatever reason, when they do transfer, they transfer early enough, 99.9% of the time, that it happens early enough that you have a lot of time to to deal with things once you get to the hospital. But it's then a shift from your birth plan. So it doesn't look exactly how you wanted it to. You probably weren't planning on transferring, and so you don't want to have to go through meeting the new providers halfway through during your birth and, and maybe being in a not comfortable for yourself place versus when you are familiar with the hospital, you've already met the provider, all of that's very um, normal for you, then it becomes a a really – it's nothing you have to worry about. You're already there. Not to mention from a financial perspective, if you start off, you know, you've got (laughs) – This is the one that kills me. Aside from the safety, this is what I worry about. Yeah, this
1: is just, I think this is just annoying. It's like adding insult to injury, right? right? If you have been planning on an out-of-hospital birth and you've paid the thousands to your midwife and then you need to transfer care in the middle of that birth, you then have to You pay for pay, two births. You pay for two births. You have to pay the hospital and you pay the full midwife fee. Right. And that's like... I think that's just cruel in know, some
0: ways, but I like, I get it. Like if you have to transfer, I would like, nobody's like, oh, I didn't need that. Like it is what it is at that point, but it is yeah. kind of like, come on,
1: no, come on, man. Come on. We'll be honest. We had a little bit of a harder time, um, making this podcast full and robust because really the two most obvious reasons why somebody would pick a hospital birth over out of hospital would be the advantage of having pain medications if you want them, right? And also because you have those safety life-saving measures available if an emergency situation occurs. Beyond that, the rest of it you could kind of go back and forth on. But if those are your only two reasons for why you feel most comfortable birthing in a hospital, that's okay. That's they're That's sufficient valid. enough and they're yeah. very, very valid. We want to help make it easier for you to choose an awesome provider and an awesome hospital. And because of that, we're going to gift you provider questions. These are awesome questions that you can ask your doctor to make sure they're the right fit for you. You can download these for free. Just reference the description of this episode. We'll have a link to it in there. Or you can find it at myessentialbirth.com forward slash podcast. Scroll to the bottom, click this episode, and there will be a link towards the bottom there as well. If you're an email subscriber then we'll link directly to the episode the blog post and you can again scroll down and find those and download those provider questions all right mamas we will be back with more tips and advice soon in the meantime be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new
0: episodes and don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you